the The discussion of taking interest or giving interest continues. And the Mishnah states that in It is forbidden to fix a price and for the buyer to pay that price already now for, for produce before the market price has been fixed. If somebody is buying produce which hasn't yet ripened, but he says, when they ripen, then I'll take them, they'll be mine, and I want to pay for them now already. It is forbidden to do this in case the price ends up being fixed as more than the amount that he paid him, and then this would very much resemble taking interest, ribis, because the fact that he gave the money earlier on caused him a gain. So this is like avak ribis, because the fact that he gave him money early is like giving him giving the seller a loan. So the buyer almost becomes like a lender to the seller. And it's only because he gave the money earlier that he ended up paying less than he would have had to pay had he paid later on. And he's paying less than the real price. So it's as if the seller is borrowing money from the buyer and then doing a favor for him, letting him pay less than the real value of the item. So this comes under the category of Avak Ribis. Once the market price has been fixed, which means there are ripe fruit available in the market, then Paiskin, these two people, the buyer and the seller, can fix a price, even if he's not yet buying the produce now. And even if, even if this seller doesn't yet have or own any of the produce, because somebody else does have produce, which means that the buyer is able right now already to buy this produce and receive it now. And therefore, even if by the time this particular seller buys produce and gives it to the buyer, the prices have gone up, we don't view this as ribis, as, as if the buyer gained by giving the money early, which is looked at as like, like a loan. Because it's not considered to be a gain of the buyer, since the buyer was able, if he wanted to, to buy produce, that amount of produce, already earlier on. He could have gone to a different seller and bought the produce then. So it's not looked at like... The, like a gain, because you really could have got that amount of produce for the lower price, and because of that, it is considered permitted. And what happens if if he was the first to have his half harvest ready, and the market price has not yet come out? And so in this case, he wouldn't necessarily have been able to buy it from... The, the buyer wouldn't have been able to buy the produce from somebody else. However, in this case, the seller already has the wheat there. So it's true that we might not be able to say that the buyer could have bought it from somebody else at this stage. But we can say something slightly different, that he technically could have bought it from this person at this stage. And although all he did was pay for the item, and in general just paying for something does not acquire the item, with regards to the prohibition of taking interest, which is only Midrabbonon, we can consider the payment of money to a certain extent to be an acquisition. Especially since once somebody has paid, it is forbidden for either of them to back out of the sale, because they wouldn't be keeping their word. They're able to, but it's forbidden for them to do so. So we do view the payment of money to a certain extent to be like an acquisition. And so since the seller has the produce already now, and the buyer is paying him now, so even if the price goes up later on, we'll view it almost as if the price went up after the buyer already bought it. His own item, as it were, went up in value. And therefore there is no issue of ribis. But it says if he was the first one who had his harvest, he can set a price with him for the stack of grain.
on the ovit of grapes. This is a very large container where they would place all of the grapes was part of the wine-making process. Before they would press the grapes to squeeze out all of their juices, they would place them in this large container where they would become soft. So once the, the, the grapes are at this stage in the process of making it into wine, then one is able to set the price and pay for the future wine. Although the wine does not yet exist, since it is relatively close to existing, there's only a couple of more things which need to be done to produce the wine. So again, we're able to view the sales having been somewhat completed. And the same goes for a vat of olives where olives are being softened before being squeezed. Once it's reached that stage, then they can make the price and you can pay for it. Which literally means the eggs of a potter, somebody who makes pots out of earthenware. And here eggs mean pottery and clay, which is in the shape of eggs. Basically round balls of clay, which they would form into different shapes or into pots in order to make a proper utensil out of the clay. So at that stage of the process where the clay is ready to be formed into a particular shape, then the payment and the price can be made. One can pay for limestone or for the liquid lime once the limestone has been placed in a furnace for it to burn and melt. All of these are examples of things where they're almost at the end of their process and so we can view the sale as having been somewhat completed already now. One can fix the price and pay for dung, or the animals, throughout the year, because it's constantly available, so the buyer could have bought it from somebody else, even if the price goes up later on, it wouldn't be considered that he's receiving a favour from the seller because of paying earlier, because he could have paid earlier and actually got dung already then. Rabbi Yossi says, in Poskin Zevel, they cannot set the price and pay for the um, dung already now, before he receives the dung, unless the seller already owns dung. Ba'ashpa in a large bin or container. And that way they can view the sale as having been completed already now, such that if it goes up in value, it goes up in value after he already bought it. Certainly it wouldn't be considered interest. And the Chachom permit it. Now the Chachomim seem to be a third opinion. So it can't be that they say the same thing as the Tanakama. So the Gemara explains that the Chachomim hold that it's permitted to buy it from anybody, even if they haven't got the dung, but only during the summer months, when it is very common for people to have dung then it wouldn't be considered a favour because he could have bought it from anybody. During the winter, even though some people have dung, most people don't have dung at those months, and therefore it would be considered a favour, alright? We're going to translate this to mean that the buyer can set a price with the seller according to the better price, meaning the cheaper price. And that means that he can say, I'll pay you a certain amount for the produce which will be ripe in another few weeks. And we're talking about a case where there is produce available, Already now, the mission is saying that they can make a deal that if the market price will go down before he ends up receiving the produce, then he'll only pay the lower price. That is totally permitted. There's not going to be considered interest because he's getting exactly what he would get if he would pay later on anyway. Nothing is changing as a result of him paying earlier on. And Rabbi Huda, Rabbi Huda says, Even if he didn't make this deal and set the price according to the cheaper price in, an, in the event that it will get cheaper... Yahal Huloimar, the buyer, is able to turn around to the seller and tell him, Tell 
give me the item for this cheaper price, which it is worth now, or I tell him I say, or give me back my money and I'm not going to buy anything. And what Rabbi is coming to tell us is that the general curse and punishment which the Mishnah earlier on mentioned regarding somebody who pays for something and then backs out would not apply over here. Because it's not considered to be backing out since the general assumption is that somebody pays for something according to the cheapest rate that he is able to do. So if the person is not allowing him to pay the cheaper rate, then he can tell him that I never entered into this sale, so give me back the money which I gave you, and I'm not going to buy the item unless you give it to me for the cheaper price. Mr. Chess, it is generally forbidden to lend somebody a certain amount of produce on condition that he'll return the same amount of produce. And that's known as sa'ah bisa'ah, lending a sa'ah, which is a particular amount of produce, it's a volume, on condition that he'll return a sa'ah. Why? Because we're concerned that the value of that amount of produce will go up, such that when the borrower returns it, he'll be returning more than he borrowed. This Mishnah brings the exceptions to the prohibition of lending sa'ah One is allowed to lend his oris, we'll explain what that is in a second, wheat for wheat. You can lend an oris wheat on condition that he'll return the same amount of wheat. An oris is somebody who rents a field in order to work it, and the deal which he has with the owner of the field is that once the produce is harvested at the end, he will take a certain percentage of the produce. Now the mission is teaching that the owner of the field is able to lend his oris, who is in his field, wheat in the way of sa'obisa'ah. They'll return the same amount of wheat, lizera as long as he is giving it to him in order that the oris use it to plant it. But not for him to just eat it, which would have nothing to do with their arrangement of him being an oris. The reason why this is permitted is because we don't view it as a loan, but rather we see it as if they are restarting and altering their agreement of him being an oris. The conditions and stipulations of the oris agreement, they are changing. Now that of course only applies if the loan is being made for him to do the work. He needs to work the field as part of the agreement and he hasn't got seeds. And so whereas in general the oris is the one who would need to provide the seeds for this field, so now they're making an agreement that it will be the owner who provides it. And so we don't view it as a loan at all and therefore the prohibition of interest would be irrelevant and wouldn't apply. Now that having been said, the Mishnah does bring a story Rangamliel would lend his arisim, these workers who rented the field, he would lend them chitin bechitin, wheat, on condition that they'll return the same amount of wheat, lezera. He gave it to them in order that they would plant it, but yoyker v'huzlu. If it was worth more, then it went down in value, hukru. Or if he gave it to them when it was worth less, and later on it became worth more. Gamliel would always take back wheat from them according to the cheaper price. Meaning, he was concerned of the prohibition of taking interest. However, this Mishnah is coming to tell us that what Roman Gamliel did is not because the halacha says that he had to do this. Rather, he wanted to be strict upon himself that since this is very similar to taking interest, so he prohibited it upon himself. However, the law is not like how he behaved, and according to the strict letter of the law, the prohibition of ribis would be irrelevant in this case. A person may not say to his friend, to somebody else, lend me a car, that's a volume of wheat, 
Vani etin loch and I will give you back that wheat, the same volume of of wheat at the threshing floor when I have other wheat available. Now the threshing floor there is more wheat available, and therefore the price at the time where the produce is threshed and being processed properly, and the process being completed, the harvest is being completed. At that point, it's unlikely for the pro- for the produce to go up in value. If anything, it would go down in value. So I might have thought that it would be permitted to do this deal. More reason why lending in this manner of sa'ob is, sa'ob is, is forbidden is because we're concerned that the price will go up. And then it will appear to be like Ribis because the value of that wheat is now more than what he borrowed. But in this case, where there is no concern that it will go up in value, perhaps it is permitted. So says the Mishnah, no, it's forbidden because there is still a chance that the value will go up. But he can say to him, Lend me the wheat with this manner of that I'll return the same volume. And when will I return it? When my son comes. When he arrives, meaning my son has the wheat, which belongs to me, and when he arrives, then I'll have the wheat. Or until I find the key to to reach my wheat. And the point is, we're talking about a case where the borrower already has a certain amount of the item which he is borrowing. This is the second exception where lending with a manner of will be permitted. And the reason why it is permitted in this case is because as soon as he borrows, let's take a simple case where he owns a sa'ah of wheat, and he's borrowing a sa'ah of wheat. As soon as he borrows the sa'ah, let's say Ruvain borrows a sa'ah from Shimon, so Ruvain now owes a sa'ah of produce to Shimon. And since he owns a sa'ah of produce other than the one which he is using, the one which he borrowed, we view it to a certain extent as if Shimon has now taken ownership of Ruvain's other sa'ah of wheat, because that's what he owes him. It's as if the loan has been returned already now. And so if it goes up in value, it's as if it went up in value after the loan was already returned. Now what happens in a case where Reuven is borrowing from Shimon five saw of wheat, and he owns only one saw of wheat? Even in this case it will be permitted, because as soon we view it as stages. It's as if he borrowed one saw, and now Reuven owes, oh, he can use, he has in his possession, two saw of wheat. Now, with that two sa'ar, he's able to borrow two sa'ar, two more sa'ar from Shimon, without being concerned with the regular prohibition of lending or borrowing with sa'ar b'sa'ar. And once he gets those two, so now he's got three, three sa'ar which he can use, which means he's able to borrow another three sa'ar, and so on and so forth. The point is, if he has it already now, we view it to some extent as if he has returned it already to Shimon, and Shimon has become the owner of that produce, already from now, and therefore there would be no concern of interest. However, even in this case, Hill Iser, Hill forbids this, since at the end of the day, he has not got available this art of wheat. He wouldn't be able to return that on now as the returning of the loan, because he hasn't got the key, and his son hasn't arrived. And indeed, the Mishnah says, and similarly, Hillel would say, A woman cannot lend her friend a loaf of bread, until or unless they fix a price, meaning they have to say that she needs to return a loaf which is worth X amount, the amount that this loaf is worth, but not that she needs to return another loaf of bread this size. In case the 
wheat will become more expensive, and it's always the ribis, and it would emerge that these women would come to violate the prohibition of interest, at least on a Mijabonlon level. Monsieur, this Mishnah discusses another couple of forms of interest, different ways that people can violate this prohibition, and we're going to understand that all of this is only forbidden Mijabonon. In modern Nachavira, a person can say to his friend, Nakish imiva, Nakish imoch, help me to weed, to take out the weeds in my field, and I will do the same with you. For your field, or Adar imi, help me to dig certain holes in my field, Ve'edar imoch, and I will help you in your field on another day to dig in your field. Since the form of work is the same thing, we're not concerned that it might end up being that in one of their fields it's a bit harder the work, and then it will be considered interest, since he's returning the what the other person did for him, but he's returning more than that. But says the mission of Eloyo Maloy, you cannot say to him, Nakish imi, help me to weed my field, and I will help you dig in your field. Or Adoimi, help me dig in my field, and I will help you weed your field. Because now we are concerned that one of the forms of work is going to be harder than the other one, and this would resemble taking interest. All of the days of the summer, when it is hotter, are considered to be one, and it will become clear what the mission's intention is in a moment. And all of the days of the rainy months are also considered to be like one. But, says the mission, a person cannot say to somebody else, plow in my field on a day. In the summer months, and I will plow in your field with you on a day in the winter months. Since the days are different, so for firstly, the length of the day is different, and that makes a difference. Secondly, it's harder to plow things in the rain in the winter seasons. And so now it would make a difference, even though it's the same form of work. If it's done on different kinds of days, then it would make a big difference to how easy it is, and therefore it would resemble interest. Alright, next form of interest, says the Mishnah, there is such a concept as interest which is early, meaning even before the loan has been made, one can violate the prohibition of interest. And there's also a concept of ribis, which is late, after the loan has been repaid already. One is still able to violate the prohibition of ribis. Ketzad, what does that mean? What is the explanation of this? If somebody placed his eyes and he wanted to borrow from another person, and so he sent him a couple of gifts, and he told him, I'm sending you these gifts so that you will lend me money. That is an example of interest, which happens earlier on. All right. What happens if somebody... Let's say Ruvain borrowed from Shimon, and Ruvain returned the money to Shimon, and after that, he sent him gifts for Omar, and he told him, I'm sending you these gifts because of your money, which you were not able to use as long as I had it. This is considered to be ribis, which is violated at a later date, and is also forbidden Mijabonon. Alright, now the third type of ribis which is discussed in this Mishnah, Rabbi Shimon Oymer, Rabbi Shimon says, Yishribis Devorim, one can violate the prohibition of ribis with words. If you do a favor with words for the person who lent you money, that would also come under the category of avak ribis, where the borrower does a favor for the lender. An example which the Mishnah gives is, he cannot, the, the borrower cannot tell the lender, Da, you should know, that a particular person has arrived from a particular place, 
and this knowledge will help that person. So this is a favour for him, and again, as will be forbidden Jabonon because of Avak Ribis.